Welcome to the Summit Church Podcast. I said, aren't you glad we serve a good God? You can be seated. If you can bring the lights up. Thank you for being here this morning on this <laughs> fall break weekend. I'm glad you made church a priority and you came to the house of God. So I want to just take a few minutes, uh, about an hour, actually. No, I'm joking. Now, Pastor, the Holy Spirit moves. You can keep it short. Uh, I am just going to talk to you for a minute. And just for a few minutes and to just share my heart with you about something God's put in my heart. And then uh, we're going to receive communion. And that's how we'll, that's how we'll end service today. I want to encourage you today to be a giver. Just keep giving. God's got lots of things he's wanting us to do as a church. And we want to be able to do that. And just, hey, just like everybody else, inflation impacts everyone. So we need to really be faithful in our giving to the kingdom of God so that we can do the things God wants us to do and not just get by. Amen. Come on. Somebody say amen. So, so I'm challenging you. Don't let this season that we're in be fear, make us fearful. We don't want to be fearful in any aspect of our life. Not our physical, financial, spiritual, relational. Listen, fear is your enemy. Fear is your enemy. The Bible said God did not give us a spirit of fear but of love and of power and of soundness of mind. Come on, guys. Some of us are letting our mind get unsound with all the fear that's coming at us. Amen? The Bible told us we haven't been given the spirit of bondage again to fear, but the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's in essence God saying, hey, if I'm your dad, what do you have to be afraid of? Right? So don't let all this news and all these things keep up what we want to, but let's just be praying that God's hand will move and God will do what he's wanting to do. And then seriously, Christian, just come on, let it make you urgent. You're a carrier of the greatest message that ever existed. And, and, and you know what? I don't know how all things are going to wrap up. I don't, I know that there's a lot of things that are happening and I know that God is keeping us and watching over us and we want to be full of faith and full of the Word of God. Amen? This is why we need the Word of God. So I want to talk to you just for a new, for just a few minutes around this idea. Uh, you, you can go if you want to, man. I don't want you to have to stand there all the whole time. I'm sorry. I told him to stay, and then now I'm telling him to go, but I was thinking his back's probably hurting standing up there. I want to talk to you around the idea that uh, the talking about the teachings of Jesus, that God, Jesus taught us in a lot of different ways. He taught us, he taught us by his words, by lessons, by parables, by all those kind of things. But he also taught us by modeling certain things, like showing us certain things. And, and, and today, I, I don't know why, I don't know who's here that needs to hear this. I don't know, I don't know exactly why this is the way the Holy Spirit is leading me, but I just really feel like it's a word. That's why I'm going to go ahead and take a few minutes and, and preach it. So I won't go the whole time, but I'm going to take a few minutes to just really speak to this. And the idea I want to talk to you about is the idea that you're seen. So the title of my message today is, I See You. In Mark chapter 5, verse 30 through 31 in the NIV, 
It says, at once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, he turned around in the crowd and he asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, be freed from your suffering. What an amazing thought that is. And, And I think that we need to realize that there was more happening here than a physical healing. The physical healing was what she needed and what she wanted, but there was something more that she needed. And she didn't know that she needed it, but she did need it. She needed to be seen. Because you have to understand what she was dealing with. This is a woman with the issue of blood, which meant she was unclean. So not only was she struggling with the the physical aspects of this body where she was anemic and weak all the time, and this had been going on for 12 years, and she'd been to every doctor, she'd tried every solution, and nothing, nothing happened. Nothing ever happened. They took all her money, but they gave her no solutions. And then she heard about the reputation of Jesus, that he healed the sick and he opened blind eyes and he cast out devils and he raised the dead. And she heard about this. And so he was coming through her town. She got totally enraptured by the idea, if I can just touch him. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus says. The disciples said, you asking who touched you? He didn't say who touched me. He said, who touched my clothes? I think it's interesting that if you have faith and you go after God, you just get, you just move in his direction and he'll touch you. (laughs) And and I think it's amazing that he didn't have to turn around and say, I'm going to heal you. He didn't turn around and say, let me lay hands on you. He didn't turn around and make a big spectacle. Power just left him. Why? Because she totally 100% believed if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. That's who he is. That's what he does. I know that that's what's going to happen in my life. But the fact that Jesus wouldn't let that stand makes a big impact on me. He could have just kept going. By the way, there was a little girl who was on her deathbed, Jairus' daughter, and he was on his way to heal her. And here he is taking his time, and instead of just letting the woman touch him and go, he stopped. And he stopped, and he turned. And the Bible says right there, it says, Jesus looking around to see who had done it. There was something about her touching him, power leaving him, that 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 was only part of what needed to happen. And so he wouldn't let it go. And the Bible said he kept scanning through the crowd until he laid eyes on her. And she said, it was me. I touched you. And then he spoke an affirming word to her. Your faith has made you whole. But he needed her to understand what she needed from him wasn't just a physical touch, but she needed to be seen. She was an outcast. She was set aside. She was no good for anybody and for anything in her condition. And not only physically, but spiritually and religiously 
to the people around her. So she was completely a person who had no identity. She was a person who didn't matter. She was a person who had to have felt like nobody cares. And Jesus wanted to make sure she saw, not that he could just heal her body, that he looked into her soul and he said, I see you. Why is that important? Well, it's because every single one of us need that. See, we're human. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're only human. <laughs> Some of y'all are so human that you're like, I'm not turning to my neighbor and saying anything. This preacher always want me to say stuff to people. Listen, we're human. And in the human psyche, in the human person, there's a need. And it's a need that God created us with. Because in the, in the beginning, God created all the things that he created. And he created the heavens and the earth. He said, it's good. He created the, uh, all the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. It's good. He created the sun and the moon and the stars. And it's good. And he created everything that existed. And it's good. Then he created man. And he had a, a, a very simple uh, a thought about that when he looked at man and realized he did not have someone like him to connect with. He said, this is not good. I, in other words, he's saying isolation for humanity, not good. Aloneness is okay, but loneliness, not good. We need to belong because we need a relationship Vertically, but we also need a relationship horizontally. God wants us not only to relate to him, but to relate to each other. That's why small groups are so important. That's why church is so important. That's why relationships with other believers are so important. Why? Because we need, need, everybody say it with me, need to be seen. We need to be heard. Now, I'm not talking about this in some kind of self-centered, narcissistic way. I'm talking about a deep need that says, I need to belong. This is why the church is so important. It's not just important because God says it's important for us to be equipped and to be empowered and to be anointed, to go out and, and, and do the ministry all week long and then come back and get some more of that. It's, that. it's good for that. That's what God says. But it's also good because it gives us a place to belong. It's a family. It's interesting to me where I will go all over the world. I've been to many places in Africa and many places in Asia, and I can go into a church and they can start playing worship and I can stand beside somebody who is singing in a language that there is no way in the world I would ever understand. But for some reason, they feel like family to me. Why? Because they serve Jesus, because we are in the same family, that we are a part of the body of Christ, the family of God. There's a belonging, there is a connection that, that we need to be seen. And what I want to say to you today is God sees you. Sometimes you feel like he doesn't. Sometimes you think that he doesn't see you. He doesn't see your circumstances. He doesn't see your situation, but he sees you. And inside of every human, we need to be seen, we need to be heard, we need to belong to know one thing, that someone cares, that someone is aware of me. I'll never forget, and you've heard me tell this story before, but I was in Disney World, and I was about to go have all this fun, and we were sitting down there eating breakfast, and my whole family, and, and then God began to speak to me, go talk to the lady at the cash register and tell them, just tell her this, I haven't forgotten. I, I love you. It's going to be okay. And I'm like, 
well, no, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to get out of Disney World. You know, I mean, that's weird. Somebody comes up to you and says, God has told me that. And I, I said, Lord, I'm on vacation. Like, uh, that's what I do when I'm not on vacation. And he's like, just wouldn't leave me alone about it. Leave me alone about it. Wouldn't leave me alone about it. Wouldn't leave me alone about it. And, and so then everybody got busy and we we're putting away our trash and everything. And we were going to just walk out and go enjoy our day. And I got kind of caught up with the whole busyness of it. And I threw my trash away. And I was hoping that the motion and the feeling of going to having a good time was just going to sweep me out of the room and wouldn't have to worry about it. And I could just let it go. As soon as I walked outside the room, I'm telling you, not a joke. I broke out in sweat. I started feeling convicted in my heart. And I just heard the Lord in my heart say, go back and tell her. And I was like, okay, why don't we just do what God says the first time? When God impresses something on your heart, why don't you just do it? You say, well, what if it's me? What if it's you? If it's something good, what does it matter? Like if it's something good, you could do it and it'd be just fine. Well, I didn't, that, that wasn't the Lord. Well, was it good? Yeah. Okay. Right. So I just turned back in there. And I, I went up to her, and now it was more embarrassing because there's a bunch of people around now, like people waiting in line. I'm like, oh, this is great. I, I, I was going to make a fool of myself, just one person. Now it's going to be a lot of people. And so do you all ever have any feelings like this? Like when God presses you to do something, do you ever feel like, oh, man. You know what? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow him. That's what it's about. Saying, I, this is uncomfortable. Good. I need to be uncomfortable. So I walked over to her and I said, ma'am, listen, uh, I don't know if you're believing Jesus or anything like that, but I'm praying. I mean, I'm eating over here and I just feel like God spoke to my heart about you. And he just wanted me to come and tell you he hasn't forgotten. Everything's going to be okay. And, and to tell you, I'm praying for you. And when I said that to her, listen, literally no, no moments hesitation, immediately tears begin to flow down her face. And, and, and here's what was happening in that moment. It wasn't so much God using me to be spiritual. It wasn't so much God saying something that meant so much to her. Here's what God was saying to her. I see you. I see you. You've heard me tell the story when I was going to quit one time, quit ministry, just totally quit. I was so fed up. I was so tired. I had just planted a church and it completely failed. And I was like, I'm done. And I don't even know if I'm supposed to be doing ministry. So we're in a worship service and we were lifting our hands in worship. Everybody else was worshiping. And I was having a conversation with God. Should I even be doing this? Should I even be doing it? Is it am I just doing this because my dad did it? And my grandpa did it. Why am I doing this? This is hard. Am I not even meant to do it? I failed. You ever felt like a failure? You ever felt like nothing's working for you? You ever felt like it's all coming apart? And that's how I felt. And I called out to God and I said, God, help me. And then there was that meet and greet time after praise and worship. And this guy who didn't know me from Adam, never seen me before, didn't know my name, anything. He walks right up to me off the front row. I'm on like the third or fourth row. He walks right up to me, shakes my hand and says, hey, pastor, how you doing? And I said, do you know me? And he said, no. He said, but when I was in praise and worship, I felt like God said to me, just walk to that guy on the fourth row and just call him pastor. I would quit. I would have quit. I would have. I would have quit. But he saw me. He saw me down there in that worship service. He saw me crying out to him. 
He saw the feelings of failure. He saw the feelings of inadequacy. He saw my pain and my sincere heart. And he just wanted to let me know, I see you. I haven't forgotten you. I don't know if you're in here today and you maybe feel that way. Maybe, maybe you feel like, man, where's God? Does he really know what my life is about? It kind of reminds me of how I, I play with my little granddaughter. Uh, little, I, I was holding her there in worship and she kept messing with the mic. So I had to give her back to Janae, but she was like fascinated with this thing on the side of my head and kept grabbing it. And, uh, but she's just so precious. And sometimes I'll play peekaboo with her. Have you ever played peekaboo with a little kid? And so you cover your face up and then you open it up and you cover it, the face up and open it up. And, and they'll, if you leave it over there, then they'll look, they'll start trying to pull that away. Cause they, I'm convinced not because they want to see you, but they want to make sure you can see them. I heard a guy talking the other day. It was, he, 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 he was writing an article and he said, he talked about how he's concerned about our kids today. And he said he was at a basketball game with his young elementary age daughter. And uh, she was out playing basketball and they were running up and down the court. And every time she would do something, he noticed every time she would do something like a layup or steal the ball or shoot the ball or whatever the case may be, every time she'd do something, she'd look over at the bench. And he said, I noticed that she was doing this. And then I started noticing all the kids were doing this. And every time they'd do something, they'd look over. And he said, it dawned on me that they were wanting to see if they were being seen. Is mama noticing what I'm doing? Is daddy noticing what I'm doing? And he said, unfortunately, when I looked over to the crowd, everybody was on their phone." He said, here we are bringing our kids out here to see them and then closing our eyes. Everybody needs to be seen. And we get into moments and time and issues of decision and being weighed in the balance or moment and time of issues of, of pain or hurt or grief or suffering. Moments and time where we don't understand what's going on around us and why and this and why that. And, and, and in those moments, it's the devil's good pleasure to come along and try to make you feel like you have been forgotten. You are not Seen. Do, do you realize that this is what makes hell so much hell? Because the Bible says that at the end of all things, when judgment, final judgment comes, the thing that makes hell so much hell is that they will be cast into outer darkness and not remembered. They will be separated for eternity from God. We need to know that God sees. But we need to understand God does see because it's his nature to see. The Bible tells us what? That when we're in trouble, God's a very present help in time of need. It's his 
nature to see. The psalmist David read in Psalm 6, he said this. He said, oh, oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger. Evidently, he had done something wrong. Many times, many people believe this was after he had committed adultery. Other people believe that it was when Absalom rebelled against him and tried to take his kingdom. And he's crying out to God. And he says, he says, oh, Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am faint. Heal me, Lord, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in deep anguish. How long, Lord? How long? Turn, Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of your unfailing love. Among the dead, no one proclaims your name who praises you from the grave, God. Who praises you from the grave? He's saying, God, if you let me die, how can I praise you? I am worn out from groaning. You ever been there? All night long, I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. My eyes grow weak with sorrow. They fell because of all my foes. In other words, I've got enemies all around me. Away from me, he says, all you who do evil. For the Lord has heard my weeping. The Lord has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord accepts my prayer. All my enemies will be overwhelmed with shame and anguish. They will turn back and suddenly be put to shame. I declare that over Israel right now in Jesus' name. But the truth is, the truth is, that's sometimes how we feel. But listen to the end of the psalm, not the beginning. The beginning says, oh God, how long are you going to let this go on? How long is this a problem? How long am I going to have to suffer? How long is there going to be issues here? And we all know that's a part of life. But the part that we can't stand is, is anybody paying attention? This is why believers are so important. Because sometimes we need God to have flesh. Sometimes we need other believers to be the representation of God and see us when we feel like he doesn't see us. Sometimes our feelings of isolation and invisibility come from circumstances or problems, and sometimes they come because of people. I'm going to close with this in about 30 minutes. I'm Why do I even say it? You know I'm lying. Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, Ishmael. <laughs> the fight going on right now is because Abraham did something really stupid. Do you hear me? Ishmael is who's fighting Israel right, right now. Because he decided he knew better than God. And he did something so ridiculous. His wife came to him and said, I'm barren, never going to have any kids. This, if this promise is to happen, you're going to have to take my servant as your wife and maybe God will give me kids through her. How many of you can just look at that scenario and say, this is not a good idea right here. And I, I find it very interesting that Abraham jumped right on it. He's like, okay, if you, if you insist. He has relationship with Hagar. Hagar conceives Ishmael's born. And here's the sad part. Abraham was just fine with Ishmael. But God wasn't because that wasn't God's promise. 
And God went on to bless Ishmael and his family, and that's why they exist now, because Abraham asked him to do it. But he said, that's not my promise. This is your promise, Isaac. And through his seed is going to come a king. And that king is going to be your Messiah. Many kings are going to come from him. And in the midst of all this, and, and this is what I want you to focus on, is that when we decide we're going to do what we want to do, as opposed to doing what God wants us to do, we're forgetting about the collateral damage. Because Hagar was the collateral damage. We'll just do it our way. Instead of letting God do it like he said he would, we're tired of waiting, we'll do it our way. And we don't realize that it doesn't just affect us or impact us, but people around us. And Hagar, when she conceived, she began to despise her mistress, Sarah. And because she began to despise her, Sarah wanted her gone. I want her out. Kick her out. And they did. So here she is. Got a little kid. She's out on the backside of the desert. And when she's there, the angel of the Lord showed up. She was all alone. She had nobody. She had been cast aside. She felt the pain of that. She felt the reality of it. She felt the death of it. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to survive. But God. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6, verse 13 through 15, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Be'er Lehi Roy. It is still there in between uh, Kadesh and, and Barat. He sees me. He sees me. Hagar was caught up in the frustrations and disappointments of someone else. And she found herself cast aside and isolated. She was alone. And more than that, she felt alone. And she felt like no one cared. She felt unheard. She felt unseen. I'll, I'll preach the rest of this next week. But I just want to say to you today. You may be in a very good spot. Things might be going great in your life. God sees you. You might be a little older and you've experienced some death and you've experienced some pain, you've experienced some grief. Maybe in a season where you're confused. Like, I don't know how this happened. I don't know what's going on. I don't know why my kids are doing this. I thought everything was going to 
I saw this, I saw this happening so differently. He sees you. And here's the thing about God. He sees the inside of you. He doesn't see your circumstances. He's not concerned with those. He can change that in a moment. He sees past your pain, your hurt, your anger, your frustration. And he sees right down in to the depths of your heart. And he begins to deal with that. See, because we've got this weird thing that happened to us a few years ago as a church, as the church, Jesus Christ in America, that we got, we cast off legalism and we said, God doesn't look on the outward appearance, so none of that matters. He looks on the heart. But when we did that, we, we kind of mixed things up and we said, because he doesn't look on the outside, he looks on the heart. We saw that as more minimal. Ah, it's no big deal. God looks on the heart. No, it's no big deal. God looks on the heart. No, no, no. No. Seriously. Think about that for a minute. God looks on the heart. He doesn't see what you're doing. He sees what you're thinking. And I say that, and that may make you shiver. Taylor, my daughter, <laughs> I used to just raise my voice at her, and, and she would go, she'd go, like that. <laughs> I'd get on to her, I'd say, Taylor, you know, and she'd go. And sometimes we think of God in that way, like he sees everything. He goes into the depths of everything. And we see that as, oh my God, he's going to hate. No, see, this is what makes him so unbelievably graceful. And this is what makes him so unbelievably loving. And this is what makes him so unbelievable, period. Because he sees it all. And that's where he goes to work. He goes to work in that area of doubt. He goes to work in those fears. He goes to work in, on that pain. He goes to work. And sometimes because God's work is invisible, but we find out in Hebrews, don't worry. The things that we see and are visible to us were created by things that are invisible. We need to know that even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we don't know it, he's working. He sees you. He sees your situation. He sees your family. He sees your finances. He sees your career. He sees your job. He sees the transition in your heart. He sees what he wants to do in you and he wants to manifest it in your life. He sees the potential in you. He sees what you can be, what he made you to be, what he originally created you to be. He sees it and he's trying to draw it out of you. So don't feel alone. Never feel alone because you are never, never never alone. Man can make you feel so lonely and circumstances can make you feel so by yourself. But let me tell you something as someone who can testify to it, you are never alone. He is always there. And Jesus said it as a promise to those who believe. If you're following him, you are for sure never alone. He said, go into all the world and teach the gospel. Make disciples of every nation 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And check it out. I'll be with you. Even to the very end. He sees you. Stand with me. Thank you for being a part of the Summit Church podcast today. We pray that God used today's podcast to draw you closer to Him. You can stay in the know at Summit by following us on social media. Thank you again for being a part. This is the Summit Church podcast.